secretary said, went over next to the fence, and he could hear, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. He said, he jumped on his bicycle, took off around the corner, and that was Marcel. He said, mister, you got to come down here. He said, God and the devil is down to the cemetery and says he's dividing up souls. Marcel said, boy, get away from me. Can't you see I can't hardly walk? I can't run down no cemetery. Get on. He kept on, kept on. So Marcel said, all right. So he hobbles along. He gets down there, and he hears, one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. He said, you wasn't lying, boy. I said, it is God and the devil dividing up souls. So let's see if we can see the Lord. So they peep over the fence, but they just couldn't see him. About that time, the boys finished up, and they said, well, that's all of them in here. Let's get the nuts on the other side of the fence. <laughs> Marcel outrun the boy on the bicycle for two miles <laughs> with his bad leg because he wasn't sure which one was going to get him. Do you know which one's going to get you this morning? Huh? Because he can't outrun him, bad leg or good. Now, we're in a fight. I don't know if you know it or not. It's a spiritual battle. We are so bound to this natural world, and we think, well, the, the Bible calls it a carnal mind. Carnal means fleshly. In other words, we're a meathead. That's not really true, but we think with our natural mind, our carnal mind. And we don't understand a lot of times that the battle we're in is really a spiritual battle. So if you found your place in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about this. This is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says, finally, brethren, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, let's just stop right there in a minute and listen. Because we have to really face it. We really stand most of the time in our own strength. We fight our battles in the power of our own might. Because a lot of times we depend on our own ability to do things. Or we depend on the almighty dollar. A lot of people depend on their words, especially people that are narcissists. Because they think their power of persuasion, they can talk themselves out of anything. So they believe in the power of their words. Some people believe in the power of the government. I don't know why. But some people think the government can fix anything. Some people believe in the power of medical science, that they are going to find a cure for everything and anything. But we need to know that the battle that we're fighting cannot be won in this natural realm. It can only be won by the power of God's might. He says in verse 11, put on the whole armor. Everybody say whole armor. Because when I read that, I made a statement. I wrote it in here. It says, a half-hearted Christianity is a prelude to defeat. If you're not sold out for God, you can't expect to live victorious. It'll never happen. People wonder, why isn't this thing working for me? They talk about God giving you victory and all, and it doesn't work for me. Well, are you a half-hearted Christian? Do you have on the whole armor of God, or are you just picking and choosing? He says, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because, see, that's who we're really fighting. The word wiles means the tactics, the strategies of the devil. Did you know he knows exactly what it takes to get you to follow him or to fall or to sin? One thing that tempts this guy may not tempt this guy over here, but he knows exactly what tempts you. Amen? 
And so he has strategies and tactics. Verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's natural things. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor. He says it again. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, when is the evil day? Brother, anytime Satan comes after you, it's an evil day. Anytime the power of darkness is battling against you, it's an evil day. And then he says, having done all to stand. That is a preeminent statement. Having to done, done all to stand. Now, that's been rolling around in my spirit all week. And the question is, have we done all to stand? He says, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, everything that I've just laid out, more important than any of that, above all, take the shield of faith. Now, how do I do that? How do I take the shield of faith? What is he even talking about? Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want the shield of faith, what are you listening to? I want to have faith in God because it's faith that's going to deliver me from everything. It's faith in God. Above all, I want faith. How do I get it? I don't get it from listening to why do you drink and why do you blow smoke? Why do you live out the songs that you wrote? Now, you know what I'm talking about. Stop and think it over, and I don't know the rest of it. It's a family tradition. Well, if it's a family tradition, brother, you need to kill that thing. See, a long time ago, I started realizing I'm feeding things to my spirit that's contradictory to faith. So I used to be, and I'm not just picking on country music. There's a lot of things, but I used to be a country music man. It was blasting on my radio, my window down, my chaw tobacco in. I was. <laughs> and one day I was listening, I was like, you know what? I really don't like my women on the trashy side. I really don't want somebody to prop me up beside a jukebox when I die. So why in the world am I listening to that? Huh? Baby, the way you shake that thing, you know I'm not that strong. Why am I listening to that? When he tells me if I look at a woman in lust, I've already committed adultery. Why am I tempting myself by listening to that? She's single again. Hold on to your man. I'm like, my Lord. No wonder I don't have any faith working for me. I'm feeding my spirit constantly stuff that's contradicted to my spirit. That was me. Now, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you got some of the things you need to just deal with, but faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's right. That's right. So only thing I listen to now is praises, because music's spiritual. I don't know if you know that or not. Satan, that was his job in heaven before he fell. He was over music. You wonder why music's so spiritual, so powerful? That was his, his gig in heaven. And he uses that today. It's a very powerful thing. So I only listen to worship music. That's me. I'm just telling you what I do. I, you know, God deal with you on that however he does. But I want, to, I want to just, coming into my mind, I want it to be the word of God. 
because that's what builds faith. Then he says in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you're able to stand all the fiery darts of the wicked. All of them. Doesn't matter if they're psychological, if they're emotional, if you have problems with depression, if you have problems with, with uh, insanity, or whether it's physical, whether there's something in your body that's not working like it's supposed to, or whether it's spiritual, all the fiery darts of the wicked can be quenched by the shield of faith. Because when he throws it, the shield of faith is what? That didn't get through. That didn't get through. Then he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto. That means to be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. New American Standard says, with all prayer and petition at all times in the spirit, that we're to give alert and we're to be persevere in the petitions for all the saints. In other words, I'm not only just praying for myself and making petitions. That's what this is for. That's why we do this. These are petitions. And so I pray for you. When you make a petition, with all prayer and petitions, not only for myself, but for all the saints, we are to pray. Now, if we're going to win this spiritual battle, these are some things that we need to learn. Because too often, we stand in our own strength, and we trust in the power of human might. We trust in the arm of the flesh. We have an attitude of, well, I don't really need God. Especially us guys, man. We're, We're fixers. We can fix it. We can take care of it. I'm, I'm a man. I'm going to deal with this. I can take care of it. I mean, we're just that way. Men are. Women too, but men, I think, more than women. But the question is, how then do we battle the enemy of our soul? Because you can't battle a spiritual entity in the arm of the flesh. It's, you just can't. And we, Do you know you have an enemy that's trying to destroy you? Jesus said in John 10, 10, the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's why Satan came. He said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. In what? The faith that comes by hearing the word of God knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So we pray. We pray for one another. Because, listen, if the devil's not roaring up your tree, he's roaring up somebody else's tree. And I tell you what, the devil's been roaring up somebody's tree in this church, a lot of people, and I'm tired of it. And so that's why I'm bringing this word this morning, because I want faith to rise up in here so we can tell him, get out. I meet other pastors. I said, have you got the devil on the run? He's like, well, yeah. I said, well, don't run him towards Louisa. Run him the other way. That's right. Old song, one, two, three, the devil's after me. Four, five, six, he's always throwing bricks. Seven, eight, nine, he misses every time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quiet because the shield of faith's working, brother. People usually don't realize that they're in a spiritual battle until something hits that they can't handle in the arm of the flesh. See, that's when it becomes real. 
That's when it hits home. Because we don't realize this spiritual battle is going on when everything's going good. But something hits you, brother, and you are powerless to do anything about this. And then you realize the enemy of my soul is trying to steal from me. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to destroy me. It's when push comes to shove. You know, you have two kids, and they, they say something insulting to each other. Little boys are like that. I don't know the neighborhood you grew up in what might not have been like that. But, boy, the neighborhood I grew up in was. They say something insulting, and then one of them touch you up. Then he touches him, and then he pushes him, and then it's two-handed push. Next thing you know, it's pow, and boy, they roll around the ground. They're going at it, you know. And then to get out of their mind crazy, and it's like, he's trying to kill me. And then you realize, I'm fighting for my life here. And man, all of a sudden, the adrenaline gland starts pumping adrenaline, and you'd have superhuman strength, and then you're like, it's do or die, you know. Well, it's like that in the spirit realm. The devil's always after us, but sometimes he hits you with something that you can't handle. And you realize, brother, I'm fighting for my life. He's trying to kill me. And it's at that point we really realize that we've got to take this thing to the next level. You've got to take it to the faith level. Because I can't fight this in the arm of the flesh. That's when we stop trusting in the arm of the flesh and then we turn to God. Now, a lot of times it takes stuff like that for us to really turn to God and say, God, man, I need you here. I can't do this. A lot of times it's pain that takes us there. But sometimes wrong thinking prevents us from going to God. Feelings of unworthiness and shame because of what I've done will prevent us from doing that. We think God looks at us with some kind of contempt. Like he's looking at us saying, well, where were you when I first called you? Why, why didn't you continue to follow me? Or you didn't have time for me before. Why, why are you coming to me now? You didn't need me before. I don't need you now. See, that's the way we think, but God doesn't think that that's way. Right. God right. will never turn you away. That's right. He will never turn yeah. you away. Hallelujah. His mercy endures forever. His yeah. love is beyond measure. The Bible says his thoughts are not my thought. His ways are higher than my ways. God doesn't think like that. God's not the one trying to destroy you. The enemy's the one to blame for that. Now, we share in the blame because we join forces with him. We feed our spirit all kinds of filthy mess and it's filth in and filth out. And we do share the blame. But the good news is that God sometimes will just let that happen to you and let that happen to you. Do you finally get to a place where you're hurting so bad that it will provoke you to turn to God? You see, pain produces power, the right kind of power. Because if I hurt enough, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the right approach to get this thing to stop hurting. And sometimes when it's a spiritual battle, if we hurt bad enough, we're going to turn to God. See, pain is a good thing. I don't know if you realize it or not. Pain tells us that I'm doing something that's not real smart here. I need to stop doing this. Because if you didn't feel pain, you had something wrong that could, you could injure yourself worse. If you didn't have pain to tell you that, you would injure yourself worse. So pain's a good thing. It tells you to stop doing what you're doing and do something different. So I've titled the message this morning, When Pain Produces Power. Let's pray. Father... 
I thank you, God, for your word, Lord. I thank you that you just spoke this morning, Lord, and you confirmed your word that you are here to heal, God. You're here to deliver. If we will just turn to you, God, and praise you, Lord, we'll act in faith and trust you, God, and stop trying to trust in our own ability. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you will just open the eyes of our understanding. God, that we will embrace these things, Lord, and realize them, and especially, God, when we are in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name, amen. Pain will eventually provoke you to seek help. See, a lot of times we just don't want to ask for help. And I mentioned this, guys. Guys, we, I'm the world's worst. I don't like to ask people for help. I'll do it myself. And if I have to ask somebody for help, brother, I'm really in a, in a strain to ask for help. And I don't know how many other guys are like that, but I'm that way. And I find that I'm that way with God. I'll take care of this. And it's like God is a last resort. When I just can't do it anymore, I'm like fall down on my knees like, all right, God, I give up. And God said, well, good. I was hoping you'd finally get there. You could have done that a long time ago, you know, before you got exhausted and you're hurting all over. You could have done that when the enemy first showed up his head through the door. Called on me. He's like, no, I can deal with this, bless God. But sometimes we need to be broken before we will yield to God. Then he will rise up in the power of his might. Just to encourage you, Psalms chapter 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as has a contrite spirit. The word contrite means pulverized. It's when your spirit is just so broken and pulverized. God is near to you. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Question mark. And where is the place of my rest? Question mark. For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit. Jesus said, blessed is the poor in spirit. He that has a poor spirit, a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. I'm going to look on those, not those arrogance that I can handle this. I can take care of this. God doesn't look at that. Turns his face from that. I look at those that look to me and say, God, I am so helpless without you. I do that every Sunday when I get in the pulpit. I'm like, God, if you don't show up today, I ain't got nothing to say to these people that they need to hear. I need you, Lord. I need your anointing. I need your word. Now, this principle applies in every area of life. It can be work-related, relationships, emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual. works in every area of life. But this morning, I want to talk about an area that hits harder than any other area I believe in our life. It draws our attention to God's help and our need for God more than any other area of our life. And it has to do with our health, sickness and disease. Everybody has an inward fear of that unseen thing that has, have, has no cure of taking hold of you. Am I wrong? Or Everybody has that. Throughout the generations, physical healing was one of the key focuses of Jesus' ministry. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, where is this coming from? It's coming from the devil. And God sent Jesus to heal all them that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus exercised his power over every dimension. He exercised it over the natural realm. He stood and told the wind, peace, be still. And they said, even the wind obeys his voice. He exercised his power over the spiritual realm. When he said, hold your peace and come out of him, he cast out devils. He exercised his power against our greatest foe, sin, because he came to seek and save that which was lost and to take away the sins of the world. But he also exercised his power over sickness and disease, those things that we fear. You remember 9-11 when they attacked the Twin Towers? Right after that, they had the anthrax scare. You remember that? They found it in the duct system in government buildings and stuff. And everybody's wearing masks and they're all terrified that this thing is going to get me. And I, I, I know a pastor that was, happened to be there. He was there with David Barterman. David Barterman is the guy that does the Heritage USA, if you don't know who he is. But anyway, they were there on that day to go to the Pentagon. And, of course, it was on fire when they got there and they couldn't go in. And he was in the building when they had the anthrax scare. And he said that people were so terrified that this thing was going to get them. This unseen foe is after me, you know. But we're afraid of viruses and diseases and cancer, bacteria, E. coli, the bubonic plague. Remember that? It killed one out of every three people. The black plague. I mean, it, didn't, it wiped out entire communities. Today, it's AIDS. People are wondering, well, can mosquitoes transfer this from one person to the other? And you get a mosquito and you're like, oh, Lord, I hope that thing didn't bite somebody with AIDS and fear. And the STDs. Now, I can tell you how you don't have to worry about that, huh? Marry your wife and sleep with your wife and nobody else. Amen. And wife, marry your husband and sleep with your husband and nobody else. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But we fear those things that doesn't have a cure. That's just the things that spread. But what about the things that kills more of us than that? Heart disease, blood disorders, leukemia, hypoglycemia, aneurysms, sickle cell, and I mean just the list goes on. Stomach issues, inherited things, lung disease, cancer, nervous disorders, we are a scientific people, and we think that if we can just figure all this out and come up with a cure, that we can abolish all diseases and death. But church, that's never going to happen. You hear me? That's never going to happen. You cannot defeat this in the arm of the flesh. Now, medical science has made great leaps. They've done some great things, and we're not opposed to medicine. In fact, the Bible says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. So he tells you right there that medicine is a good thing. Amen? And medicine has done some great things, and it's a good thing that we have it. But they're never going to abolish it. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Verse 4 said, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, 
nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Well, what former things? The world we live in. We live in a fallen world, and sickness and disease is a part of this fallen world. It's always going to be here, always, until Jesus comes with a new heaven and a new earth, and we take on a glorified body. Brother, when you take on the glorified body, sickness and disease can't touch it. That's right. Can't touch it. And if we live in faith today, God can heal this body. Church, that hasn't changed. Because he took authority over every dimension. The Bible says that he gave man over dominion over the earth when he created man in the garden. Man could speak. The lions and stuff laid down around him. Right. He had dominion over all of them. The fall cursed all of that to where he no longer had dominion. But the Bible says that Jesus redeemed us from the curse yes. so that we now have dominion again. If we just exercise it and realize that, we can take authority over things in the natural realm and the spiritual realm if we just realize that. He's given you that authority. The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. One of the things says they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Now, people try to tell me that's passed away, but they can't show me in the scripture where it has passed away. Jesus said, he that believeth on me, the things that I do, he shall do. Well, folks, if the apostles were the only ones that believed on him, we're in trouble. It's not talking about just the apostles, my Lord. He that believeth on me. Any, any believers in the house? Yeah. The things I do, you shall do also. If there be any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. They will anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Yeah. That's New Testament, friend. That's, that's to the church. That's to us. Yeah. So it hasn't passed away. But our bodies have changed. We are under the, uh, the fallen world, and our cells don't correct themselves as they were designed to in the beginning. There are mutations and all kinds of problems in the body. Men lived very long in the Old Testament. If you look, Methuselah lived over 900 years because God created this thing to live. Yeah. And, it, and before the fall, he was an eternal being. He would have never died. God created it to just regenerate itself and repair itself and to live forever. And even after the fall, it took many generations before we finally shuffled this thing out and adapted to this fallen world and lived the life that we now live, about 80, 90, 100 years, somewhere in there. Just celebrated uh, the graduation of my pastor friend. He was 99 years old, you know. But before then... This body, it lived much longer than that. They have shown that in the atmosphere, even before the flood, that men would live longer. There's a place in Texas, Brother Carl uh, Ball, Dr. Carl Ball. He's a Christian. He used to be an atheist. But through science, he realized there is a higher power. There is a design to this. And so he created what is known as a biosphere that creates the atmosphere of a pre-flood condition. And he said before the flood, there was a thick ozone layer that blocked the sun and the rays of the sun, and the, the, the earth was saturated with oxygen. That's why the dinosaurs were able to live. 
because their lung capacity had to have large volumes of oxygen to live. But because of their small lung capacity, after the flood of the ozone layer was thinned and the oxygen content was dispersed, they couldn't breathe. So they went extinct. If you're wondering what happened to the dinosaurs, there you go. I know some other people disagree with that and the pre-Adamite race and all that stuff, but that's another theory we're not going to get into this morning. And I didn't mean to go down that trail that far anyway. Jumped a rabbit. All right, let me get back on track here. If we treat the whole man today, though, it will still do some pretty amazing things. And, and that's where I think I went this week. God says, having done all to stand. Because there, there are things that we can do and we should do to take care of ourselves. You see, you're a triune being, right? If you've come to church here, you know that by now. You have a body. You also have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. But what you really are is a spirit man. Now, the minute that I trusted Jesus as my Savior, my spirit and his spirit became one. And it is perfect. Perfect. Sinless. Totally sanctified and transformed by the power of God. My flesh, on the other hand, is everything but perfect. Paul said my spirit and my flesh are contrary to each other. They're constantly at war with each other. And in the middle is my soulish realm, my mind, my will, and my emotion, which is either going to yield to the spirit or it's going to yield to the flesh, depending on what I feed it. If I feed it the word of God, then the spirit says do this, I'm going to do this. But if all I'm feeding is why do I blow smoke and drink and all that, then my flesh says do this, that's what I'm going to do. Junk in, junk out. Amen? And so we need to treat all three of those areas as well. I need to take care of my body. Church, we should eat right. Amen? Alex, where are you? Wave at me. This is my health, my health police here. She's fussing at Pastor B for drinking sodas. Stop doing that now. No, don't. Maybe you should do that because I shouldn't be drinking all those sodas. I love Dr. Pepper. You hear me back there, Josh? Mountain Dew. Remember that skit y'all did? Give me that, give me that Mountain Dew. Yeah. But we need to take care of this thing to eat right, exercise. You know, sometimes we're like, God, heal us. Heal me, Lord. He said, put that piece of cake away. You, you don't need my intervention here. What you need to do is get up and get a Stairmaster. I ain't going no further with that. That extra slice, that extra helping, uh, that side of beef, no, he's put... Having done all to stand, you need to take care of the body. We need to take care of our soulish realm, the things that we listen to, the things that pattern my thoughts and my mind. What are you watching? Are you involved in things that dabble in the occult? Are you reading Harry Potter and things that delve into the dark realm? You know, that stuff you're feeding your soulish realm. You wonder why am I having problems? He said, done all to stand. You need to take on the whole armor of God. You need to deal with all of these areas of your life. And, of course, our spiritual area. So having done all to stand, we need to stand. And then he says, above all these things, we need to take the shield of faith. Now, real quick, I'm going to close with this. 
I'm going to look at three examples of Jesus healing to show you that God helps those that's the highest realm and those that it's, is at the lowest. In Matthew chapter 8, he gives three examples. This, there's many examples of his healing. In fact, the book of Luke says, if we recorded everything that Jesus did, I perceived that the world could not contain the books that it would take to record all the things he did. So I certainly can't go over all of them, but I'm going to pick out these three. It's talking about the, the healing of a leper, of a centurion, and Peter's mother-in-law. Now, the leper was an outcast. Actually, the Gentiles were outcasts, and women were considered pretty much the same. Now, here Jesus is coming off the mount. He's, it's what we call the Mount Olivet uh, Sermon or Sermon on the Mountain, um, um, Olivet Discourse. And he's coming down off of the mountain, and you have to understand there was multitudes of people around him. You know, we think, well, if I lived in Jesus' day, man, I would go up to him. We'd just be best buddies and have a conversation. You probably couldn't even get near him. I went to Liberty in Lynchburg. You know what I'm talking about, Liberty College? To see Willie on Duck Dynasty. And I thought I was going to get to go up and shake his hand and meet him. There was 10,000 men there. And he's on the stage, and I'm looking at him on the screen. I could see him better on my TV at home. I have never been so disappointed in my life. I wanted to meet Willie. And you couldn't even get near him. Well, it would be like that with Jesus. But here is a leper that sees Jesus coming off the mountain, surrounded by people, and somehow he got to him. Well, I'm going to tell you how. Because he was considered unclean. It was thought to be highly contagious. A lot of people still think, Leprosy is highly contagious. It's not. In fact, it takes years to contract leprosy. And sometimes it, our bodies will resist it. You, can, you can't even, you can't catch it. All right, but they didn't believe that then. And he wore filthy rags, and there were symbols of the fact that he was a leper. And he had to walk around saying, unclean, unclean. Now, he may or may not have been saying that as he went through the crowd, but it was parting like the Red Sea before him, I'm sure, as he's coming through there. And he gets to Jesus, all right? And I wondered as I, as I uh, pondered on that, how many of us treat people in the world like that? I remember hearing this story about a pastor. He's a brand-new pastor going to a church. And his very first Sunday, nobody had met him but the pulpit committee. And he came into the church dressed like a homeless man and sat at the back just to see how they would treat him. And they didn't treat him so pretty good. And then when he introduced the pastor, he gets up and walks up on the platform. How many of us treat the world like that? You know, our church motto is we're the perfect place for those who aren't. I've been in churches where people weren't welcome even in their foyer of their church because they just weren't good enough or clean enough or pretty enough or rich enough. Or... And I said, God, when we plant this church, I want the people that's not welcome in their foyer to be honored in this place. We should never treat people like they're a leper. The fact of the matter is, spiritually speaking, we are all like lepers. The filthy rags. The Bible says right, your righteousness is like filthy rags before God. So we're actually like that. Little by little, parts of their body fall off. How many of you know little by little, we are separated from God? 
by sin in our life. Yes. Spiritually speaking, we're very much like a leper. Yes, Parts of our body fall off due to infection and separate us from God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And when he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. What I want you to see is there is nothing impossible for Jesus. He can heal any disease you have. He can heal any disease you have. Are you hearing this? Nothing is impossible for him. He can heal any disease. He healed lepers. He killed, healed the blind, the deaf, the lame, amputees. Peter in the garden cut off Malchus's ear, amputated his ear, and Jesus put it back on his head. It doesn't matter if you've got a limb missing. That is nothing for God. Are you hearing me, church? That is nothing for God. Nothing is impossible for him. The woman that had the issue of blood, the woman's been bleeding for 12 years, spent all that she had. You know why I'm preaching on health? People would give everything they've got to have a healthy body. Yeah. Brother, you can be broke, destitute, and have nothing. But if you've got your health, brother, you are a rich person. This woman spent all that she had trying to be whole, and she saw him and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. What is that? That's faith. I know he can heal me. I know I will be made whole. If you're here this morning, there's sickness in your body, let me tell you something. You can be healed. I know you can be healed. Yeah. Because his word is yes and amen. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It has not changed no matter what the naysayers say. It has not changed. Not one dot nor one tittle of his word will pass away until it's all fulfilled. You say you sound angry, Pastor. Well, I am a little ticked off about that. How dare they say that God's word has passed away? Because I've sat down, I'm like, all right, where? And I see the scripture they use, they pull it out of context, and it's not even talking about that. So you've got to take the whole volume in its context. You can't just pick and choose. Well, so he came to him, and he said, Lord, if you're willing, because he, ha he felt unworthy. He felt unworthy. And sometimes the feeling of unworthiness, it stops you. Feeling of being rejected, it will stop you. And church, we need to be praying for ourselves. But Jeannie said it when she was up here. Boy, I started to let her preach, man. She had to preach on when she got up here, didn't she? If you're on the mountaintop, did you pray for your brothers and sisters? Praying with all prayer and supplication. Prayer petitions, not only for yourself, but for all the saints. So we need to be praying for those who feel like they're rejected and they're outcasts. The second thing is take the shield of faith. Jesus said the greatest faith he ever seen was in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. The next verse. Now when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is laying home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is interruptible? He doesn't have an agenda where you can't bother him. Church, don't ever feel that way about me. Yes, I'm busy a lot of times, but don't ever feel that you can't come and say, Pastor, and interrupt me. Because I want to be like Jesus, and I am interruptible. 
Now, I am a one-track-minded person. It may take me a minute to shut down that category that I'm in and get your full attention. Just give me a minute to kind of reprogram, because I am that to a fault, am I not? I'm like, all right, now, what did you say to me? It's not that I'm ignoring you. It's just I'm waffle brain to a fault. Me and your waffle brain, did you know that? (laughs) Women are spaghetti brain. That's not a bad thing. It means everything connects with everything else. They're multitaskers. Men aren't. We're, I'm doing this. We even have a waffle that's nothing is in it. We get in there sometimes and so what are you thinking about? Nothing. Woman says, my husband lives in that waffle all the time. That's all right. That's all right, guys. I know how it is. Are you in a hurry? Well, I'm going to feed you after now. What time is it? I don't have much. Devil showed up in church one day. He walked right up to the front. Everybody's screaming and hollering. They run out of the church. This old cowboy sitting there, and he doesn't move. Devil looks at him. He walks up and says, do you know who I am? He said, yep. Well, aren't you afraid of me? He's like, nope. He said, don't you know I could destroy you in one word? He said, don't doubt it a bit. He said, and that doesn't scare you? He's like, nope. He said, well, why aren't you afraid of me? He said, because I've been living with your sister for 48 years. They told the centurion, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. I'm not worthy. <laughs> all right, get over it. Get out of that waffle, man. We're back in the word, all right? <laughs> Women's already there. I mean, they go. He said, I'll come. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come in our They understood that Jews hated the Gentiles, the Romans in particular. And he probably knew a Jew would never come into a Gentile's home. And he would never insult Jesus to ask him to come to his house. Look at the humility of this man. He is a centurion. I mean, you don't get there just easily. He is a high-ranking Roman officer. He has 100 men under his command. To get to that position takes a while. And when you get to that position, you are honored in the nation of Rome, in the empire of Rome. He is a very honored man. And here he is, a honored Roman centurion going to a Jewish slave carpenter's son and pleading with him to come to his house on behalf of a servant. Do you see the heart of this man? Not only that, but the book of Luke says this man was favored by the Jews and he built them a synagogue because he believed in their God. A synagogue that he couldn't even walk into because Gentiles weren't allowed in there. Are you getting the picture? He says, I'm not even worthy that you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. That's the shield of faith, friend. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes. And to my servants, do this or do that. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, 
to those that followed him, Surely I say unto you, I have not found such great faith. No, not in all of Israel. He said, this is the greatest demonstration of faith I have ever seen in the whole nation. And he says, and I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, that means the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now here he is, and he understands the Roman army was the most powerful army in the world. Not because they had the best weapons, not because they had the best strategy, but because of the order of command. If Caesar gave an order, his tribunes gave the order right on down, all the way down to the centurion. He gave it to his men right down to the lowest foot soldier, and they followed it to the letter, or they died. That's what made the Roman army so powerful. And he understood this. If I give a man an order, he obeys that. You are just like Caesar, is what he's saying. You're a king. In fact, you're the king of kings. And if you say that thing has got to go, it will go. He said, I have never seen such great faith, not in all of Israel. Church, I'm telling you, faith will move Jesus. If you believe he will heal you, he will heal you. He will heal you. When he sees that faith, faith moves God. It moves God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, it said, The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word. We need to see that humility. See that humility. Trust in the power of God to heal. Now, the last thing, and, and listen, he could have been like a lot of times Christians are, because I've heard this. Somebody, a Christian especially, will have something bad happen. People are like, well, why would God do that? He did this, and he did that, and he's always been a good Christian. He served the Lord, and he goes to church. He pays his tithes, done this, and done that, and done the other thing. And some Christians are like, Lord, I've done this for you, and I've done that for you, and why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you letting this happen to me? You ever thought like that? Well, here's a man that built a synagogue for them. He could say, Jesus, I built a synagogue for your people. They all respect me and honor me. You need to come take care of this servant for me. But he didn't do that. He came with humility and said, Lord, I'm not even worthy that you come under my roof. You want to approach Jesus and God, whatever I've done for you is like filthy rags. I don't deserve anything from you. God, what you did at Calvary, if you don't ever do anything else for me, that is more than enough. I didn't deserve that. I deserve death and hell. I need to deserve to be cast out into the outer darkness. That's what I deserve. I'm unworthy, God. Nothing that I have done has made me deserving of anything from you. But I know, God, that if you will just speak the word, this thing will be healed. That's the attitude we need to have, the humility. The last thing, Jesus heals so that we may serve him. Verse 14, it says, and when Jesus came to Peter's house, he did these consecutively now, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and served them. Now, why does Jesus heal you? He heals you because your work is not finished yet. 
God has got a job for each and every person in this room to do. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And he gives you help to fulfill that. He healed her so that she would serve him. Now, healing is temporary. You do understand that. Because every person that we talk about, they're not here anymore. Someday you're going to die. It is a process of life. Now, when people get on older in, in years and there's things in their body, we can pray for God's healing to come. But at some point, we have an appointment with death. We have to understand that. And it's not a lack of faith. It's not anything else. But God says it's appointed unto every man to die, and after that, the judgment. I've got a checkout date. Brother, and I can't add enough. We, we went down and camped out at the Outer Banks, and we decided to stay one more night. I can't go and say, I'm staying another night here, God. <laughs> no, it's checkout time, and I'm calling you home, brother. I don't know when that's going to be, but, brother, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be better there than it is here. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I, I just feel for my family, you know, when, when God takes me out of here. They probably miss me a day or two anyway. <laughs> Y'all don't cry over me, brother. Serve Jesus and keep on going. The last thing is allow Jesus, allow Jesus to take your truest burden. In verse 16, the next one says, And when evening came, they brought, him in, brought in many that were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now he's quoting Isaiah chapter 53, and I want you to see that in its entire context. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. You see why he went to the cross? It was because of my sin. He was wounded because of my sin, my transgression. He was bruised because of my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was on him, and by his stripes we are healed. Body, soul, and spirit. Jesus died for the whole man. Not, see, people say, well, he just died to heal you spiritually. That physical healing has passed away. That is the biggest, ugh, that makes me so mad. He died for the whole man. The whole man. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him. He took our burden. The iniquities of us all. So what's the lesson this morning? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ask him. Don't wait till you're beat down and you got nothing left. Ask him as soon as you have a problem. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't be a half-hearted Christian. Do all you know to stand. Above all, take the shield of faith and pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for other people. Make prayer requests, petitions. We do it through technology nowadays. Somebody has a prayer request, they send it to Kathy, man, it goes, I don't even know how many people's on that prayer chain now, but dozens of people see that instantly and start praying. What I'll do, I'll touch the screen and it'll highlight. Anybody know what I'm talking about on a smartphone? You get a message, you just touch it and it'll highlight it. And I'll lay my hand on it and pray for those prayer requests. So pray. Stand in awe of Christ. You can make me clean.
He can heal any disease. Understand his power to heal. He says, if you are willing, Lord, because the power is under his sovereignty. End of the day, it's under his sovereignty. He can say yes. He can say no. He can say wait. Trust him to heal. He said, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus is moved by faith. And then allow Jesus to take up your true burden. He said, he laid on him the iniquities of us all. John said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And see, that's the real question. Would you stand to your feet this morning? That's the real question. Has he taken away your sin? Because Jesus talks about if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Not literally, it's figuratively. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. He said it would be better to enter into heaven lame than to enter into hell with your whole body. Because you see, it doesn't matter if we like walk in perfect divine health if your soul is not healed. The most important thing is, is your name written in the book of life. He told him, he says, men will come from the east and the west and will sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, Gentiles will come and sit at the table with God's chosen people. Do you have a seat reserved at that table? See, that's what's important this morning. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because I was talking to a man yesterday. He said, we can go out on the highway and we can die before we get home. Then where will you be? Your salvation is the most important thing in your life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I am not a Christian, but your words have convicted me this morning, and I would like to give my life to Christ today. I want to be his child. And I'm going to ask you to pray for me, Pastor. Would you just raise your hand this morning, and I want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you, I promise. I'm not a Christian, but I would like to be. Will you please pray for me? Anyone at all? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.